One thing we like to say, it's our, one of our core values is that generosity is our privilege. We don't have to give, we get to give. And so we're a church that believes in generosity. We believe that it's a privilege. We get to. It's not a have to, it's a get to. Just like when we serve, um, we love that we have a church that loves to serve, that gives um, sacrificially. In fact, just two weeks ago, we had Hope Week. I know you guys had an amazing time. We saw over 800 hours served by our church, um, several hundred people serving within our church, and we were able to launch and release hope all across the city in an amazing way. So, man, thank you for being a church that's generous. Thank you for being a church that serves and that gives and that believes in releasing hope. And uh, this is a time of year where we get to, and we do this at the end of every year, is take this final like seed offering, end of the year offering. So this is what the offering is going to go towards. They're going to receive at the end of today. Um, we're going to give it to a few different areas. First, our city. So we're giving to some organizations in our city uh, to help them. We're, winter Sanctuary is one that ho- houses the homeless in the winter. Uh, we actually serve them dinner at a couple of the projects during Hope Week. Um, also, there's a couple other things on there you can see. Uh, our world, we have several global partners that we support that take the, the gospel all across the world. And so we're going to give towards that, to our, to our world. Our season, so we got Christmas at the Crest next week. It's going to be amazing. Some Christmas gifts we're giving out. And uh, we'd love to, to be able to bless all those that are coming in this place to receive the hope of Jesus. And then finally, our house. So this is just some practical stuff. We need some new signage. Um, we need some new video cameras that we're working on for streaming. And then we need some new kids items. And so that's what this whole offering is going to go towards several different things. We're releasing generosity. Um, we're going to see the vision of this church uh, go forward. We're super excited for it. You guys excited? I know you're excited to be here um, and to jump in here. So let's go to Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to be reading here in a moment. But uh, a couple weeks ago, my kids, they started building like structures out of our Jenga blocks. I don't know if you all play Jenga, but we got a Jenga at our house. And uh, they started building some, some structures out of our Jenga blocks. And at the end of their structure that they built, my boys were together. They put a cross at the top out of Jenga blocks. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was like, guys, like, what are you doing? What is this? And they're like, Dad, we're building a church. So yeah, my kids are more spiritual than yours, but no, I'm joking, I'm joking. You, you've heard my stories, so you know that that's definitely not true. Um, but they're like, we're building a church. And I was like, well, guys, like, why would you want to build a church? Like, what, what inspired you to build a church? And they said, my six-year-old said, Dad, because we love God. Like, duh, right? And I love this because how many of you know that we are called alongside of Jesus to build the church? Now, hear me in this. The church is the hope of the world, and the church was God's plan A, and there is no plan B. We are God's plan A, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, that we would release hope in this world, that we would show this world what hope looks like and what the answer to all the questions that they're asking, to all the problems that they have is. It is Jesus Christ. The church is the hope. The church is the voice. The church is the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And so we have an opportunity to build the church. And that's what we're going to do today. That's what this offering is going towards, to build the church. And I know that today, like, it's about giving. And i got to be honest, for the first three years of Project Church, I refused to talk about giving. Like, I wouldn't talk about money. I wouldn't talk about giving. I wouldn't even mention it. In fact, I made the other pastors and our, our team come up here and receive the offering and give the offering talk every Sunday just so I wasn't that guy. 
and I wasn't that pastor. But then I started uh, to be convicted by God as he began to speak to me and say, Caleb, um, if you look in the Bible, I talk about money a lot. In fact, Jesus, uh, a third of his teachings, of his parables, are about money and possessions. The Bible mentions money more than it mentions the word love. I mean, I started realizing that if I'm going to properly pastor our church, I have to talk about our money. Because the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So if we're not talking about all aspects of our lives, then we're actually doing our church a disservice. Not only that, but I mean, if you think about money is the number one cause of divorce. So how could I not talk about money in our church? And so God began to convict me. And so for the last two years, we've done a giving series every year, a generosity series where we talk about what the Bible says about money and about what we have. And I'm thankful that We've seen a shift really in the last couple of years in our church where we became an even more generous people. We've seen uh, our church releasing generosity like never before. Uh, we see our church give. We have not had a year in the history of Project Church where our, in- our giving did not increase. In fact, I, 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 it's not the end of the year yet. We're almost there. But already we've exceeded last year's giving by like 25 to 30%. So that's something to give. Come on, give God some praise for your generosity. That's because of you. That's not because of me. That's because of you. So I love that our church responds to this. But today, um, I have the opportunity to talk to you about about worship through giving. And we're going to take this offering at the end here today. So I know there's some new people here. If you're new, like, I'm sorry. Um, It's not not always like this. So come back next week, all right? It'll be more, more normal. And we're not asking you to give if you're new here. This is for our church family, those that consider Project Church their home. But we are glad you're here. So the title of my message today is Through You. Let's read Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. It says this, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and I've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. So this is a, this little part right here is the Old Testament. It's quoting a prophecy from the Old Testament. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Jesus is born in this town of Bethlehem. Just so you know, Bethlehem, they say, was a town of 100 people. 100 people. So how many know that God chooses unlikely places, unlikely people? He can do big things with small things. So I want you to think about that in your offering today. He can do big things with small things. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained, I love that word, ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too, I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You still with me today? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray that you would challenge us today to be a generous people. Lord, that we would see that our worship is also through our giving. Lord, that we would be a people that see what you can do through us. We love you. We praise you. Speak through this message 
to all of our hearts. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So here's what I've seen. I've seen that there's been times in my life, and I think a lot of us in here, where we live a superficial Christianity. And when I say superficial Christianity, this is what I mean. I think that a lot of us, um, we see God, and we see God as what he can do for you. Like, what can God do for you? What can God do for me? And that's this superficial Christianity. We see God as this ATM machine, right? We just like press, put it in our card and we pray a prayer and we say, okay, God, you got to give me what I ask for. Give me what I need right now, right here, just how I want it. And what I've seen, though, is when we begin to grow in the Lord, we begin to become more mature in the Lord, we stop seeing and saying, like, what can God do for you? And we start saying, what can God do through you? You see, God's already blessed us. How many know you're blessed in this place? Man, I am blessed. This is my favorite. I wore my favorite coat today, y'all. I'm blessed. Whenever I wear this coat, I feel extra blessed. You want me to tell you why? Man, everywhere I go, whenever I wear this coat, I get compliments. People be like, random strangers be like, man, I really like your coat. I'm like, thanks. You want to know the best reason why this is so awesome? Because I got this coat for $5 at a thrift store. That's how I get down. Are there any blessed people in this place today like me? That's what I'm talking about, y'all. We are blessed, man. I'm blessed beyond just this, though. Blessed beyond a coat. I mean, we have so many blessings. God blesses us so that we then can be a blessing. He wants to bless you so that you can then be a blessing to other people and to this world. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. The main crux of what I want to say to you today is this. God gives much to you so God can do much through you. He's given so much. I know somebody in this place are going, Caleb, I don't have a lot. I don't have that much. I get it. I get the perspective that a lot of us have. But at the end of the day, man, compared to the rest of the world, we have much. We have a lot. And I'm so thankful that we are blessed in this place because when God gives much to you, God can do much through you. And God wants to do much through us in this house today. So let's jump in here. I want to talk to you about living a through you life. Everybody say through you. Living a through you life takes, number one, sacrificial steps. Sacrificial steps. It says, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So we know, like, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen a Christmas production. You've seen the wise men. You know, they always make me laugh because their outfits are crazy. You know, like, not only are, you know, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't think Bible time outfits are crazy back in that day, but, like, the the wise men's outfits are always so gaudy, right? Because we're trying to convey that they're wealthy. So they got like sparkles and like big old crown, like jewels on their hats. And like they wear some crazy stuff in their robes. But what's interesting is these men, like these, this was a huge sacrificial step that they made to see Jesus. What we know now, because we have historians and theologians that study this stuff, we know that they traveled from Persia, which is modern day Iran. We also know that this trip was around 900 miles. 900 miles, which is two times the width, the width of Europe. I want you to think about this. There were no planes, there were no trains, there were no automobiles in this day. These men made the trek, 900 mile trek on most likely camelback to see the Savior that they had read about in a prophecy and seen a star that they thought was symbolizing he had arrived. Do you realize the sacrifice that this involved? Like, does, does that uh, compute right now for you when you think about, I want you to think about 900 miles on camelback 
to see a Savior that they had read about in a prophecy and then saw a star and said, I think that must be symbolizing him. Let's go. That is a huge step that involved huge sacrifice. Through you people, living a through you life, take sacrificial steps. I mean, this didn't even make logical sense. It really didn't. It didn't even make logical sense that they would take this, tr- this trip, this trek, based on a prophecy they'd written and just a star they'd seen in the sky. I mean, this is a huge step. This is huge for them. This is sacrifice based on something that they had read, something they had seen. Man, a couple weeks ago, we cleaned out our storage units at Project Church. I don't know if you know this, but we have, we have four storage units full of stuff in a storage unit in West Sac. We are hoarders at Project Church, all right? After five years, we have accumulating, accumulated a lot of stuff. But it was a hot mess, man. We had just been packing stuff in all these storage units. It wasn't organized. No one knew where everything was. You couldn't even barely walk in some of these storage units. So a couple weeks ago, our team was like, Caleb, we need to organize all of our storage units so we can access the stuff. We were getting ready for Christmas, and we needed to access our Christmas stuff so we could set up this beautiful lobby that we have here. And so... They're like, we need to do this day. And like, I'm not about that. I'm not an organi- like organizational person. And that did not sound like fun to me, but they convinced me. And so I showed up. And so for five to six hours, man, we emptied all these storage units. Literally, it, I've never seen so much stuff. I don't know where we got all this stuff. It's just piled in the driveway in front of all these units. And what we're doing is we're organizing it. So we're having to take some stuff from like the far right unit to the far left unit. And so we had it all piled outside. And I was running stuff in my minivan. So I don't know about you. I know y'all have like cool cars and stuff. But I'm a dad. I'm living that that dad life, that minivan life. One day I'll have a cool car. But uh, it's going to be a few years. And so I'm piling stuff in my minivan and driving it down to the other storage unit But there was only enough room for one car to get by. One car. Well, out of, uh, you know, in, in, in the moment, in one of these moments as I'm bringing stuff back and forth, I'm driving towards the far storage unit. And this car comes around the corner and comes and, and corners me and blocks me in. And this guy sticks his head out of the window and he's like, back up. Now, normally the Holy Spirit like speaks to me and I'm sensitive to his voice and And I'm redeemed by the Lord. But let me tell you, after five to six hours of clean-out storage unit, the Holy Spirit's voice was silent to me. I had lost my Christianity. And I stuck my head out the window. I said, you back up. And he stuck his head out again and said, back up. I stuck my head out again and said, you back up. And so this continued for a few minutes. And finally, I laid on my horn. I tell you, y'all pray for me, okay? Like, I need help just like y'all. And so... I laid on my horn, and finally, after like a minute and a half of this, of me yelling back up and him yelling, you back up, and he finally decided to back up. I was like, straight up. (laughs) Your boy won, right? Now, the reason I wanted him to back up, because I didn't think it made sense, because I had all this stuff piled beside me, behind me. I mean, I felt like I was going to have to back up a long ways to to get out of the way for him to get by. And he just had to back up a little bit for me to get by. And so he backed up, and I I drove around. And I got to be honest, as I drove by his window, both our windows down, I turned to him. I said, was that so hard? Like, guys, pray for me. Seriously. It was a rough day. My wife was so mad at me. but And then he drove off. Um, He won't be coming to Project Church anytime soon. I did not pass him an invite card. 
So he drives off, and what was interesting was I unloaded the van, and then I drove back. And as I'm driving back, I realize that we had cleared out, like, a big chunk of stuff. And literally right behind where I was stopped, to my right, was a big gap where I very easily could have backed into. But I was too self-focused and too annoyed and too bad of a mood to even, I didn't even bother turning and looking. I was just yelling at him to back up. Here's what I want to say to you today. I think a lot of of the time, God is asking us to move, but we're waiting on someone else to move. A lot of the time, God is speaking to us and saying, I need you to move. I need you to step out. I need you to sacrifice. But we're too caught up in our mess and what we've been going through that day. And so we're not even going to take the time to turn and look and see if we can. We're just waiting on somebody else to move. And God right now is speaking. I believe he's speaking to our church and he's speaking to some of you. I know that your situation may not be perfect. I know you don't have everything in a row the way you want it to. But if God is asking you to move, are you going to be willing to move? Are you going to wait for someone else to move? God is looking for people who will sacrifice, who will step out and live sacrificially. And I don't want to be a person like I was that day that's so caught up in my own selfishness and my own junk and my own rough day that I won't move until someone else else moves. I want to be a church and I want to have a church, that we step out first, that we take that first step, that we move first, that we respond and react to God's voice immediately saying, yes, Lord, we will go. Where do you want us to go? And that's what these men did. These wise men, they went because God spoke to them to go. We have to live a through you life through sacrificial steps first. Second, living a through you life takes committed Actions. Everybody say commitment. Man, this journey took commitment, didn't it? I mean, I know we can't totally understand the reality of traveling this far without a vehicle. But this took some serious commitment on their part. Theologians, historians tell us that it most likely took them around two years to even make this journey. I want you to think about that. Two years. To make the journey from where they were in Persia to where Jesus was in Bethlehem. Two years. Two years to make the journey. In fact, we see here uh, within this idea of like them being committed that they get to Jerusalem. And they get to Jerusalem because they're looking for Jesus. So they get to Jerusalem and they're like, hey, we heard that a Savior was born. Do you know where he is? And what's the response of the people in Herod? They're all like, we don't know what you're talking about. Did you see that? They're like, we don't, what do you mean? What are you talking about? A king has been born? Like, I think we would have heard about that. I think word would have got around. You know, I think somebody would have reported about that. I would have seen that on Twitter. Like, no, like, none of us have heard of that. Like, what are you talking about? This took commitment because even when they get there and they're discouraged by the people's response and the people's report, they still continue to search. Why? Because it was committed actions that they had decided to walk out. They're like, we're going to find this Savior because we believe that he has been born. When you live a through you life, you take committed actions. What's interesting is in verse number four, Herod, he gets a little scared. Right? He's actually bothered. It says that all the people in Jerusalem are bothered because they're like, Herod's our king. What are you talking about? This other king has been born. I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're talking about. And it says that he inquired of them. 
And he actually says to them, he says, listen, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if this king has really been born, but if you find him, tell me about him. And I wanted you to hear this because I think that a lot of us have been spoken to by God. We have a revelation from God. God has given us revelation into certain things in our lives, certain aspects of our lives, or even just to be a follower of Christ, the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. We have this revelation, but understand that just because you have a revelation doesn't mean everyone else will receive or understand your revelation. Not everyone is going to get behind the revelation that God has given you. In fact, I've found that often when God's given me a revelation or a vision or something for my life, that there's a lot of people around me that will hate on it, that will discourage me and it will throw shade at it and me and will tell me all the reasons why it doesn't make sense. In fact, I bet there's some people in your life that they do that just with the fact that you follow Jesus. They don't understand why you would go to church regularly. They don't understand why you would give financially to your church. They don't understand why you would serve at your church. They don't get that. They don't understand. And they would try to discourage you in the revelation that God has given you. And I want to say to you, if you have been called by God, spoken to by God, we have to be a people that are committed to the actions that he's asking us to take. To the steps that he's asking us to walk out. No matter what anyone else says or anyone else thinks. And there will be naysayers in your life that try to discourage you in the revelation and the call that God has on your life. Don't worry about what anyone else is saying. Don't worry about what anyone else is thinking. Be committed to the actions that God has called you to walk out. He wants us to be committed. You know, this last year at Christmas time, uh, my family, we decided to do something a little different. Uh, you know, every year we, we buy Christmas gifts for, for our whole family. I have three siblings, so I have two sisters and a brother, and uh, now they're married. Uh, and then they ha now my, my baby sister has a child as well, and then I have three kids. And so we do Christmas with my family. And, man, every year it looks like a department store, like, threw up in our living room and got wrapped. Y'all ever experienced where there's just, like, more presents that's almost overwhelming? You're just, like, walking through piles of presents. Like, that's what our house used to look like on Christmas morning with my parents and my, my siblings. And uh, last year we decided, you know what, we need to do something different. And uh, we heard, we've decided this because we heard about this family. And this family, um, husband and wife, the wife had died just a few months before Christmas of cancer. Four little children and we decide, you know what, let's just pull our money that we would normally buy gifts for each other and let's buy them, you know, these kids their Christmas gifts. So my wife and I had the pleasure of bringing all the gifts with my kids over to their house and dropping them off. And, you know, it was, it was a really cool moment. They celebrated. But let me tell you something. Like on Christmas morning, I walked into my parents' house and for a moment I had this feeling of being disappointed because I walk in and there's not nearly as many presents as there normally is. I walk in and all the presents have Cain and Kai and Charlie and Quinn on them. These are all like the little kids. I'm like, what about me? Like, where's Caleb's presents? All I see is presents from my kids. What about me? You know, like I had this moment. Y'all are like this, right? It's a season of giving, but we still get caught up in that season of getting. We, we're, we say we want to be generous people and open-handed people, but we get caught up in our flesh and want to be those that just take and receive. And so I had this moment, like, in the, on Christmas morning, I'm like, man, this is kind of a bummer. Man, I don't have any gifts. Like, man, it's just my kids? What's up with that? But then I was reminded. I was reminded of that moment when I went to that family's house. 
was able to drop off these gifts for these kids. I was reminded of the fact that I already have so much. Like, I'm already blessed in such amazing ways. How can I complain or how can I be discouraged with the fact that I get to watch my children open gifts just because I don't get to open a gift? Now, I'm not here to make you feel bad or convict you or tell you don't buy gifts for your family. That's not what I'm here to say. I'm here to say this, that if God is calling you to something, if he puts something in your heart, if he encourages you towards something, living a through you life means you're going to take the steps and and you're going to live out the commitment that it takes in those steps and in those actions. A through you life takes committed actions. You know, these wise men, it it took a lot of commitment. A two-year trip, 900 miles discouragement from the people in Jerusalem either, and yet they kept looking, they kept searching, and finally today, living a through you life takes listening ears. Everybody say listen. You see, I'm, I'm amazed by these men. I'm amazed by these men and the steps that they took, what they walked out, the commitment they had, and the ears in which they listened with. You see, they read a prophecy, and they saw a star, and so they went. Many of us have been held back, and we've had more of a word from God than even that. I know there's been times when I heard the voice of God, and not verbally, but I heard the voice of God in my spirit, and yet still I hesitated, and he wasn't even asking me to do that much. There's been times in my life where I heard the voice of God say, hey, go, go talk to that person and tell them about me. Tell them that I, that I love them. And I hesitated. Why? Because I was worried about what they would think. What kind of sacrifice was that for me? Oh, it was just getting out of my comfort zone in a moment. You see, we have ears to hear, but often we don't want to listen. There's a difference between hearing and listening, isn't there? You can hear something. But when you listen, it involves action. It involves steps. Living a through your life takes listening ears, those that will process what they hear and turn it in to listening, which becomes action. And that's what these wise men did. They listened when they saw the star and chose to go. They listened when God spoke to them in a dream to protect Jesus. You see, at the end of this, I don't know if you saw that, but Jesus or, or God speaks to them in a dream and says, don't go back to Herod and tell him where Jesus is. Go a different route home. And we hear that and we're like, yeah, of course. Like, duh, like, that makes sense. Like, they don't want Herod to try to do something to Jesus. And the dream told them. So, of course, they're going to go a different way. But we don't think about is the fact that this was the king they were clearly disobeying. If they had been caught. If someone had found them, if they had been captured, it most likely would have paid with their life. So this listening ear that they had was something that turned into such action that they were willing to lay down their lives for this Savior that they had traveled 900 miles to see. They were willing to lay down their life. You see, I want to talk to you about the the posture of your heart today. What kind of posture do you have when it comes to your heart? I'm not talking about your physical posture. Like my wife gets on me about my posture. Anybody get on you about your posture? You're like your mom, like, honey, you need to work on your posture. That's what my wife does to me. She says, work on your posture. You know, don't hang those insecurity shoulders. That's why you need tighter coats like this to help you with your posture, right? 
They won't let you do this. But this idea of posture, right, is how we we carry ourselves. It's the the way in which we conduct and and carry our, our, our life. But when I talk about the posture of your hearts, I want to ask you, like, are you living a humble life before God? Are you living an open-handed life before God when it comes to your heart? Because I think a lot of us get caught up and we're like, listen, I earned this. I did this. You don't realize how hard I've worked. You don't realize how far I've come. You don't realize how talented I am. You don't realize all the blood, sweat, and tears I gave. But when we have a posture of our heart, that walks humbly, we say, God, you gave me the breath that I have. You woke me up this morning. You gave me this job that I have. You gave me the energy that I have to be able to give towards this thing that I've earned. You've given me every amount of, every dollar in my bank account. You've given me every Bitcoin that I've earned. You've given it all to me. You see, it's about the posture of our heart. And in this culture, man, our posture is that we did it. We earned it. Look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I have. But God's looking for a heart that says, look at what he's given. Look at what he's done. Look what he's done through me. That's what we're looking for today. Living a through you life. God wants to do so much through us. You know, there's this thing, this term, this psychological term called top-down processing versus bottom-up processing. I don't know if you've ever heard about this. But, uh, Bottom-up processing is what most of us do in the natural. And so I'm going to use this microphone as an example, right? So bottom-up processing would say we describe what's in front of us in the natural with our senses, with, with what we can process in that moment. So I would describe this microphone. I'd say, hey, this microphone, it's black. And it's made of plastic and some metal. It kind of smells because Caleb's been speaking into it for the last 30 minutes. There's a white sticker on it that says Vox 6. That's my microphone, just so you guys know. Always use number 6, okay? That's what they tell me. We'd say it, it can get louder and it can get quieter. And we would process this, but it's bottom up because this is all we can ascertain in the natural with our, our, our hands, our physical touch, Um, our senses in that moment. But if I gave this microphone to to Chase, who's our sound engineer there in the back, you can't miss him. His head shines brightly for the Lord. If I gave this to, to Chase, and I had him tell you about the microphone, he would describe it in a much different way. He would say, you see, you have to triangulate the frequencies so it doesn't inter with the trajectory, I don't know what he would all say, but he would, he would describe it with more technological terms, right? He would explain to you about the levels and he would explain to you about the, the systems and the frequency and, and what it takes to run this and how we've had to, to get on the right frequency so we don't connect with the downtown police department whose frequencies sometimes mess with our microphones. They do. We appreciate them, but they do. And he would describe all this for you. See, this this is top-down. This is top-down processing. Why? Because he has a a perception. He has knowledge. And he knows things that most of us would never know and could never know. Because we haven't read, read about it. We're not nerds like him that take the booklet home and read it all night long. We don't do that. 
So I say this all to say to you that what kind of processing are you doing when it comes to the things in your life? You see, if we have listening ears that hear the voice of God, we don't process from the bottom down. We process from the top down. We don't process from the bottom up. We process from the top down. We position ourselves differently. We position ourselves differently because we see things from a God perspective. I think a lot of us are going through challenges. We're going through struggles. We're going through issues. We got a mountain in front of us, and all we can do is focus on the the issue, focus on the problem, focus on the struggle, focus on how impossible it looks. But we have a God, and we serve a God that if we got it hit from his perspective and looked at it from the top down, would be able to say to us, I'm more than enough. I'm a God of abundance. I'm a God of miracles. I'm a God of restoration. I'm a God of healing. I'm a God that can fix whatever mountain it is that you're facing. You see, we've been talking to our God a lot about how big our mountain is. And we need to start talking to our mountain about how big our God is. That's the God that we serve. We need to change our processing. When we hear and we see different, we say, no, I'm looking at it from the top down. I'm changing my posture. I'm changing my perspective. I'm not going to look at things the same way any longer. I'm going to look at it the way God sees it. You see, God, he's saying to us today, I've got more than enough. God is saying, there's a, there's a verse in the scripture that says he's got the cattle on a thousand hills. You ever hear that? Like, we don't get that, but in this day, man, that, that meant you were rich. That was how they had their money, the cattle on a thousand hills. What it's saying is God has it all. He owns it all. Verse 11, the wise men says, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. These three gifts that we don't exactly understand today, but let me tell you something. Gold was the, was the least valuable of the three. In this day, frankincense and myrrh were of much more value than gold. In fact, we know if they even brought a small amount of frankincense and myrrh, Jesus and his family would have been rich. They would have been rich. Now, we don't know exactly how, what amount they brought, so we don't know exactly how much money it was worth. But I do know this. I know that there were three men that traveled 900 miles because of a prophecy they'd read and a star that they'd seen. And they kept searching, even when people in Jerusalem said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think a king has been born. So I'm guessing that they didn't just bring a little bit, but they brought a lot. They brought their gifts. Why? Because they believed that this Jesus was the Savior that the world had been looking for. They believed that this Jesus was the answer to all the questions that this world had been asking. They believed that a broken world needed to be healed and this Jesus was the one that would bring the healing. When they saw Jesus, they couldn't help but fall down and worship him and bring and give their gifts to him. Why? Because they knew that they had met the Savior. When you see Jesus, everything changes. When you encounter Jesus, everything changes in your life. So I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today. We're going to close right now with an offering. I want to ask you that you would think and you would pray and you would hear what is it that God is speaking to you to give. Use your ears to hear and to listen to what God is saying. I want to encourage you that you would be committed 
to the action, this action step that God is asking us to take. And that you would be a person that says, I'll be sacrificial in these steps, in this offering that I'm bringing. Why? Not so we can have more money in the bank account. No, it's so that God can do more through us. That's what today was all about. That's what this day was about. God gives much to you so God can do much through you. He wants to do more through our church than ever before. He wants to do more in your life than ever before. He wants to bless your life more than ever before. God has great things in store for us in 2018. So here's what I want you to do. I know you didn't all come in here ready. If you did not get an offering envelope, I want everyone to have one because every one of you is going to write something on that. And I'm not just talking about offering. I'm talking about something different. If you don't have an envelope, I want you to raise your hand right now. I want everyone in this room to have an envelope in their hand. Go ahead. Raise your hand. The team is going to walk around and give them to you. I know a lot of you give online. We have a slide of how you can give online for this offering. This Seeing Jesus offering, there's a drop-down menu. You can click Seeing Jesus. If you go to projectsacramento.com backslash hashtag give, then you'll be able to drop down that menu and click Seeing Jesus. Thank you for those of you that give online. Maybe you're going to give in the envelope right now. Regardless, keep your hand up if you didn't get an envelope yet. They're still passing them out. Here's what I want you to do. We do this every year. I want you to declare a word or a phrase over your life for 2018 of how you want to see Jesus do something. So on your envelope, whether you put an offering in there or not, I want you to write on that envelope. I want you to write, I'm believing to see Jesus for breakthrough in my finances. I'm believing to see Jesus for restoration in my marriage. I'm believing to see Jesus for an increase in my finances. I'm believing to see Jesus for healing in my family. I'm believing to see Jesus for healing in my body. I'm believing to see Jesus uh, that my kids just won't act crazy every single day. That's what I'm going to write down. Write down something. I want you to believe for something in 2018 that you will believe Jesus. You will believe to see Jesus for this. I want you to write it on your envelope right now. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. When I say amen, I want us all to stand to our feet and I want you to come forward and I want you to drop your offerings, your gifts, and your words that you're declaring over your life in these buckets. I would ask that you would consider giving an end of the year seed offering, but maybe you're in this place, you're like, all I have is this. You know, Bethlehem was a town of a hundred people. God can do amazing things and big things with small gifts, with small things. Jesus was one of the smallest gifts, and yet he changed the whole world. So I don't care how small it is or how big it is. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. That we would be a church that sacrifices equally. So I would ask that you consider giving an end of the year seat offering today. But regardless of if you do right now or if you can, I want you to write on that envelope. I'm believing to see Jesus for this in 2018. I'm going to pray over us. When I say amen, I want us to stand to our feet and I want you to come forward and drop these envelopes in these buckets. Here's one last thing we're going to do. John is going to be down here with the microphone. I believe that the faith of the church is increased when we declare things over our lives. The faith of the body is increased when we make a declaration of things that Jesus is going to do. You see, we believe in all that God has already done, but we believe in all the things he's going to do. So here's what I want you. I want you to come forward, drop these envelopes, these offerings in these buckets. But if you would be open to speaking out your word, your phrase that you're believing to see Jesus for 
this into the microphone, I would love for you to do that. Because I believe that will increase the faith of this church. And it will be something that we can celebrate and we can believe with you for. So when I say, man, I want you to come forward, drop your envelopes, drop your words in these buckets, drop your offerings. And then if any of you are so led, I want you to speak your word into this microphone and declare it as a word of victory in 2018 for our church to celebrate with you for. Y'all ready? You with me? Come on, lift your voices with me. Pray with me.